Welcome to Decode Your Burnout, the podcast where we crack the code on burnout based on three primary factors, your programming, environment, and personality. We also feature experts who debunk the myths about what it takes to be successful in their industry and spin those tips to fit the workplace so you can optimize the way you work. I'm your host, Dr. Sharon Grossman, a psychologist turned coach, author, and burnout expert. If you're burned out and want to go from exhausted to extraordinary, book a free breakthrough session with me by going to bookachatwithsharon.com. And if you want to see how you're doing and what to focus on next, download the burnout checklist. You'll find the link in the show notes or go to bit.ly forward slash check your burnout. Now let's get started. Hi, everyone. I'm your host, Dr. Sharon Grossman, and this is Decode Your Burnout. I'm excited to announce that for the next four weeks, we're going to be changing things up a bit. Instead of having a guest interview, we're going to be featuring a replay of a live event I did with the Burnout Panel. The Burnout Panel is a group of six burnout experts, including myself, and we tackle topics salient to burnout, like lowered morale, high turnover rates, productivity, and absenteeism. We even had the chance to answer some audience-led questions, so I know you'll find these truly informative. So if you're struggling with burnout, or if you just want to learn more about it, I encourage you to tune in to these special episodes. And if you're looking for a speaker for your next event, you can reach out to me directly at drsharongrossman.com. Now, without further ado, I present the burnout panel. Hello, the world of LinkedIn and anywhere else we might end up across the interwebs. We are the burnout panel. We are a group of six women with six businesses and six perspectives that gather together to bring you the best of the best on burnout prevention and recovery practices for your organizations and your lives. Today, we're talking about burnout-related turnover and what happens when companies lose top talent. A conservative estimate cost of replacing an individual employee can range from half to two times the employee's annual salary. In a 100-person organization with an average salary of $50,000, this can equate to turnover and replacement costs of approximately $660,000 to $2.6 million per year. We, as a group of six women, are much cheaper than that, so you should probably consider bringing us in to avoid this problem altogether. The first person up today to talk about a solution to your high turnover rates is my friend, Dr. Sharon Grossman. Thank you so much, Kate. And yes, indeed, turnover is a really big problem that we are seeing today. It's costly and it's disruptive. It's disruptive for any organization. And we know that burnout is a leading cause of that employee turnover, which is why it's really crucial to address this issue and provide solutions that support employee well-being. Now, as an expert in stress management, mindset training, and burnout prevention, I believe that there are three critical talking points to consider when addressing this issue. So firstly, it's essential to understand what is stressing your workers out. Stress can manifest in a whole bunch of different ways, like workload, work-life balance, conflicts with colleagues or management. So as a leader 
it's important for you to identify what the sources of stress are and find ways to mitigate them proactively. And you can do this in a number of ways. You can conduct a survey, you can hold one-on-one -on -one meetings to get feedback. There's different things that you can do. But the idea is, again, to be able to reduce whatever the stress is. Secondly, it's important to uh, help your employees manage their stress to minimize burnout. And one way to do this is to provide them with training and resources that provide self-care and mindfulness. And this can include workshops on stress management. You can bring any of us in to do some trainings. Uh, you can focus in on things like meditation, exercise, time management skills. So there's a whole bunch of different things that employees can be encouraged to do, like take regular breaks. You can offer them flexible schedules, et cetera. And finally, it's essential to create recovery strategies that help your employees recover from burnout and, of course, prevent it from recurring again. And those include offering employees time off, providing access to coaching services, counseling services, those types of things, and maybe even reassigning some tasks to alleviate that workload. So um, we want employees to feel supported and valued, and that way they'll more likely stay loyal and committed to your organization. And with that, I'd like to turn it over to Aileen. Hi everyone, my name is Aileen Axmar and I am a career coach and wellness speaker focusing on exactly what Sharon said, all about that stress management. So to kind of build on what she said, there can be a special place where we can do this kind of assessment and exploration of what those stressors are for our employees. So just like we do annual physical checkups at the doctors, my proposal is that organizations do career wellness check-ins for turnover prevention. So this is something separate from our performance reviews because those are just, there's too much going on. There's compensation conversations, KPI discussions, goal assessments. And what I'm proposing is we separate this to be a really intentional, dedicated space for leaders to genuinely check in with their employees and say, hey, let's zoom out. So much of our time is in the go, 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 do, do, do. Let's look at how you're actually feeling about your work. Are you using the skills that you enjoy? Are you growing in the way that you want to or that we talked about you being able to during our check-in last year? And if there's any misalignment that comes up in that conversation, maybe they've just outgrown a skill that used to be, you know, more engaging and challenging. But once they've gotten that under their, their belts, it's not scratching the itch the same way. So if there's some space to change things around, you can be intentional and do some job crafting and maybe explore other projects that this employee can get on. And conversely, this is a space where we've seen a lot of job absorption going on. So someone leaves and then the tasks and the skills that were part of someone's job get absorbed by other employees. Now talk about a reason for people leaving. If we're intentional about these check-ins, we can say, okay, wow, yeah, you're doing half of that other person's job. So you're doing a job and a half. Let's look at this and get you back to a place of more equilibrium. And it's so much better to be proactive with these conversations, and then you're better able to retain that talent and keep that institutional knowledge within your organization. So that's my, uh, my tip for today, doing career wellness check-ins. 
and I will pass it over to Dr. Sandra. Dr. Sandra, we need you to unmute so that we can hear your wisdom. Everybody, uh, I'm Dr. Sandra, clinical psychologist and personal energy strategist, helping individuals and organizations connect to the resources they need to get from burnout to sustainable success. So um, as I think about turnover, I see it as a signal, as a symptom of a bigger problem. It could be that there's a loss of interest in the work for some reason, their people aren't being motivated, they're not being challenged by the work, there's, there's boredom, or there's a misalignment between the person and the organization in some way around the values. That could be another symptom. But when it happens, someone sets an intention to leave, they've already disengaged, which means now their energy is drained. When they go, the organization's energy is drained and you don't have what you need to move your missions forward. Energy management is a strategy that we can use to help both individuals and organizations thrive and advance their mission. We want to think of energy as being multidimensional. Physical energy, you know, that's that vitality that we feel in our bodies, like there's an, a sense of connection to our bodies. Mental energy, that ability to focus, to be creative. And I know every organization love, loves a creative employee, somebody who says, yeah, I see that. And then what if we added this? And you go like, yes, right? Uh, emotional energy, that ability to actually feel confident in what you're doing, to connect with others, to build strong relationships with team members, to be able to negotiate relationships. That's emotional energy. That's one of the benefits of emotional energy. And then what we call spiritual energy is about that sense of value and purpose in your work. When people burn out, we see all of these kinds of energy go down, right, very quickly. So if you're not being, if you're being overworked, your physical energy and your emotional energy clearly are going to be drained. So will your mental energy be. So one of the things that we can do as, as individuals is to really be able to re return to our awareness of our own energy, that the mindfulness practices that both Dr. Sharon and Aileen mentioned can help us to reconnect with our own bodies. But as organizations, watching your talent, because people can get into that habit, I'm going to do this thing, I'm going to get it done, and they will not stop. So as an organization, as a team leader, you want to watch people. And you want to start to plan meetings in ways that give people an opportunity to move their bodies, right, to get up. Like I actually keep a hula hoop. I'm an entrepreneur, so I can actually sit at my desk a little too long. So I keep a hula hoop around. So I get up and I hula hoop. Um, another challenge that we might see is this kind of inability to grow. If we can't grow and we don't feel like there's a, a way for us to advance, we also will start to disengage and burn out. So as, as people in an organization, one of the things we want to pay attention to is how our work is giving us a sense of our own growth. Is it, is it helping us to go to that next place that we need to go in terms of our personal development and our career? As organizations, what's your learning and development like? What opportunities do you offer people? And they don't necessarily just have to be hard skills, like this is how you do this, but the softer, like building relationships, team building things. Um, what's and I, I, Emotional intelligence to me is not a soft skill, but it's a, it's a necessary skill. But those kinds of skills, helping people to build those, will help to replenish people's emotional and mental energy. And then lastly, I would say, one of the reasons people burn out is that their values are somehow being violated in an organization or they don't have, they maybe don't even have a sense of purpose that the job was all their purpose. And when it feels like the job is falling apart, they don't feel like they have anything left. 
So as organizations, you want to be really mindful about how people see their purpose, their reason for being in the world and how it connects to your mission. And you want to be mindful about connecting those two things. As as team leaders doing evaluations, you can check in with people about what values are being met by you playing this role that you're playing. And when we pay attention to this, right, because the organization loses people, they don't have the energy to move. If people get burned out, they don't have the energy to grow. So with energy management, we can start to say, oh, we're going to cultivate our resources in such a way that when we hit these bumps, we'll actually be able to get past them and continue to grow and thrive and move a mission forward. All right. Thank you. I'm going to pass it now to Audrey, who's talking about management, support for management. Thank you so much. So I'm going to take a real, I'm going to step back just for a second and give you a few more stats just to keep us anchored in the cost of this issue. Um, so Gallup's 2022 State of the Workplace re uh, report discovered that in the U.S. specifically, 50% of workers experience daily stress and 41% experience daily worry. So if you have folks in your organization that are spending that much energy on worry, you can imagine how much energy they are not spending on tasks, especially tasks that are um, cognitively important. Uh, the largest contributor that they discovered to whether an employee was engaged and happy at work was the quality of their management. This is probably not going to be shocking to anybody, but unfair treatment, poor communication, and lack of support is a big contributor to workers' engagements. And when workers feel cared about, they thrive. And this is something that's come up over and over again in studies. When people in an organization feel like they are being cared about as a human being, it makes a huge difference on how they feel about their work, how they engage in their work, and their ability to have sustainability and long time engagement in a workplace. In order for workers to feel more cared about, this requires leaders to have a different lens than a lot of them have been taught before, right? A lot of leadership has been leading by default, but the leaders that are needed now need to be better listeners, they need to be better coaches, and they have to be collaborators. So this is going to require leadership in the, work the workplace to be in charge of their own nervous systems, right? This is something that this panel has a lot of experience about is people being able to manage themselves. Um, there are studies done on the amount of stress that can basically transfer from one person to another, up to 26% in person. 24% virtually. So when there is already stress in the workplace, which is normal, stress is not necessarily a bad thing. But when this is basically spreading from person to person, and you don't have a leader in charge, it's going to help to anchor everybody in a calm and centered and grounded way. That's a big deal. Leaders stress trickles down through the team and having the skills to navigate their own stress is going to be a huge boon to the whole company. Um, something that's really important to understand about this burnout panel specifically is everybody here has worked in organizations in some capacity, whether it's been workshops, keynoting, um, coaching, and this has been all the way from leadership to group. And we have a comprehensive four-part assessment that can help target the common stressors that leaders navigate. So it's really important as you're listening to this, these panels, um, this panel's solutions individually and collectively, this is something that we are able to do on many levels within an organization, which is how you have to address this problem. So I'm going to pass this off. Um, 
specifically the work that I do, I did not put that at the beginning, but specifically the work I do is around perfectionism, um, rewiring perfectionism into excellence, uh, the procrastination protocol. I'm the owner and founder of Fortitude and Flow, and this is work that I love to do with companies and individuals. So I'm going to pass this off to Vanessa. Hello, hello, everyone. So the thing about these stressors, I know some of you may be listening, you may be thinking to yourself, these are just the individual contributors. They're the ones, when we say employees, they're the ones we're talking about. And that is not true. This is everyone. These are the managers, the senior managers, the directors, the VPs, the SVPs, right? Everyone has these stressors. Everyone is, you know, essentially prone to this whole burnout issue within your organization, right? So that's that that my peer Audrey just shared around 50% of employees are worried about worry, right? They just sit around thinking about worry. That's not just individual contributors, that's everyone. And right now, what I do today, right, is as a professor, consultant, and speaker, I embolden women nationwide to lead prosperous community enterprises. Prior to that, though, my corporate experience was in corporate strategy. So I work with multi-billion dollar companies in various industries and helping them, you know, grow and scale and all the things. And so I had lots of opportunities to be on cross-functional teams, work with leaders in different positions, sit in those rooms. And the fact is that whether you're at the individual contributor level or if you are at the senior manager, director, VP, SVP level, it is paramount, a key key strategy you can take away today, right? Well, it's Monday, so start of the week, so you can start this today right now. A key strategy that you can take with you is ways for you to manage up and also manage down, right? Because you need to manage up with your, you know, other, your leaders. If you're the director, you're managing up to the VP. If you're the SVP, you're managing up to the CEO. And then you're at the same time though, you want to be able to effectively manage down, right? Because I was that person on that team. I've been a individual contributor. I've also been the team lead with individual contributors underneath me. And as the employee or the staff member, it is very common that the leader who's also so stressed out they're getting commands from above them and then they're just bringing that all down to you right and it all just trickles down and what happens is that everyone then becomes stressed and worried and so three key questions that you can use to help you as a leader both manage up and also manage down is number one ask yourself and also ask the person who gives you the command what is the specific outcome they are expecting Right. So what happens is that there's so many things to get done in a company, especially when you're growing and scaling, whether you're at the early stage or you're at the very late stage when you've been around for 100 years. There's always competition. There's always threats. And so there's always something being given to you, some new things, some whatever it may be. So the first question you want to ask and understand is what is the specific outcome they are expecting? Because, as Audrey had alluded to, right, those who are perfectionists, may choose to, you know, go down a whole rabbit hole of trying to create a whole, you know, 50 slide deck when really all you wanted was one page. But they didn't know that because in their minds, they said, I need to be perfect. Right. And so when everyone is aligned on what the specific outcome is, then everyone can deliver what it is that's actually needed without doing any more and more stressful work than they already need to. Right. Because they already have other things on their plate. And then number two, the second question is, why is this information needed? Why is this information needed? That then allows you to understand and even to define for yourself what could be the best possible outcome, right? Is it such that, okay, maybe they want a 10, 10 slide. Let's go with, we're going to PowerPoint. 
for this example here. So let's say you were asked to, you know, develop some presentation to justify why we need to expand into Japan or something like that. And you were just told, okay, you're like, okay. They want me to justify why we need to go into Japan. Well, let's say they're speaking to the, the SVPs for Japan is coming in or potentially a new supplier was just reached out to. Those are going to be two different conversations, which will require two different levels of information. And so the more that you know that, the better you will be equipped to understand the actual parameters and scope of the work that you're being asked to do. And then the better you will then be able to communicate that to your team so that you can then also help them to understand the scope and barriers that they need to understand to deliver effectively. And then question number three, last but certainly not least, when, when do they want the task or request completed? So what is the outcome? Why is the information needed? And when do they want the task or request completed? Because a lot of times in corporate America, everything just seems urgent. But what I always love to say is that unless you're dealing with a war or unless you're dealing with you know North Korea, it really probably isn't that urgent. And so really ask yourself, when, when is the specific information actually needed to be complete, right? Is this meeting happening tomorrow or is this meeting happening next Friday? If it's happening next Friday, can a draft be done on Monday or does it have to happen tomorrow? Probably not tomorrow. And so with that being said, understanding these three things about every task that you're given, what, why, and when, will allow you to better understand the task that you were given so that you can then better communicate that to your team and your employees so that they can then not worry as much, not stress out as much. And at the same time, you will also be able to effectively manage your stressors as well too. And now to close us off, before we go into the Q&A session, to get your questions ready, type in the chat, is my peer, Kate, who will talk about how you can check in with your top performers more frequently. Hello, everybody. I work with organizations every day to help them reduce burnout, specifically in order so that they can keep their top performers. So this is what I talk about all day, every day. And the reason that I focus on top performers is because we gave a stat right in the very beginning that it costs half of someone's salary to up to two times someone's salary to replace them. Guess how much on that scale your top performers cost you? They're typically costing you two times their salary, and they're typically not making $50,000, as was the math in the example that we gave. Focusing on this group of people is critical, especially right now, because has anyone ever had the experience? My background is as an acupuncturist. I'm a specialist in Chinese medicine. I've uh, been a practitioner for 15 years. I've seen this happen so frequently. You have somebody that has a decent amount of stress. They're going through their lives. They're working. They're getting stuff done. They're getting stuff done. They take a vacation. They either get a migraine or they get a cold. We're not even going to use COVID. We're just saying migraine or cold. When stress builds up and then releases, it comes out in this kind of way. Now, if we take that on a grander scale, what we're looking at right now in March 2023 is that our high performers, our top talent in every company rose up to the challenge during the entire pandemic. And just now is the moment where it's starting to come out. I have heard this complaint more in the past four months than I have heard it in the entire seven years that I have been doing this work. Top talent is burning out. So when I say really drop in on your top talent. I mean that more so now than ever before. They kept it together for you for a couple of years and now they are falling apart. 
because of things like job absorption that Aileen mentioned before, right? They took on other people's tasks and they were teaching their kids and they were doing and, 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 and they were managing for a while, but you can't run a machine at 130% of its capability long-term and expect it to survive. We do expect it to burn out at some point, just like we expect people to burn out at some point. So checking in with your top talent, you already have ideas on how to do that. We've had an amazing panel today. They've given you questions. They've given you topics. They've given you ideas. What I just really want to hone in on is the fact that if you are leaving your top performers behind because you trust them to get things done because they've always gotten things done, that is the root of their problem. They are the least likely group to ask for help and the most likely group to need it long term. Do not, I beg you, do not leave your top performers behind. Their health can't manage it and the health of your company can't manage it either. That wraps us up. We are here for Q&A. Let's see if anything came up in the comments. I was quick and simple today. Do we have any, Vanessa, are there any comp, any questions in the background that you've got going on that I don't have access to? Well, a question for you, Kate. So yeah. what are maybe like two, two tips you can share with the audience today on some best practices to check in with their top performers? I think one of the best ways to check in with top performers is to focus on your own failures. So this is a vulnerability practice, and it also is an opening door practice. So an opening door practice is one that allows for reciprocation on the level that you're trying to get at. When you go to your top performers and you say to them, hey, last week I really messed up so-and-so and either this is how I figured it out or do you know anybody that could help me figure it out? You also open the door at least to either ask them or for them to say, hey, I messed up on this thing last week too and this is how I solved it. So leading with failure first is an incredibly important way to connect with people that are not used to talking about themselves or their work in that way. So lead with your failure first. And the second thing is Dr. Kristen Donnelly uh, taught me on my, on an episode of my podcast that she looked up the root of the word empathy in like 140 places in, in 72 dictionaries, 18 languages, and you know, 87 countries. And I totally made up all those numbers if that wasn't clear. And what she found was Within the root of the word, no matter where she looked for it, the root of that word was understanding. I stopped there on purpose because I wanted you to feel that word for a minute. Sometimes leaders think that empathy is a difficult thing to do and it needs to be a certain function and they're supposed to feel something. The only thing you need to do to increase your empathy is get curious and ask questions with the goal of understanding. So if you are asking your top performers questions with the goal of understanding something about them, you are again opening a door for them to reveal something to you in order for that understanding to be created. Awesome, anyone else on the panel would like to share an additional answer? I have another question as well too. What are some, because there are people listening who are probably saying to themselves, oh, we're fine, we're good, our company's great, uh, whatever, you know. What, 
how do you, what are some signs, right, that people can look out for, that leaders can look out for, organizations can look out for, that they may be at risk of a massive just quit time, right, that high turnover rate? What are some things that people can look out for? Specifically in top performers, you're looking at a reduction in work rate, right? You're looking for a lack of productivity, a change in, not even a lack, a change in productivity. So that's number one. You're looking for a change in attitude. So one of the biggest components of burnout is cynicism. When you start seeing someone act really negative at work and that's not their normal disposition, that's a massive red flag. And you're looking for interpersonal conflict. So when someone has been around and they've been killing it for years and now you start getting like little complaints about them here and there, and there's a little bit of gossip in the office and there's some, she was short on this email and something starts to get a little cloudy in that regard, that's something to red flag yourself on. And I'll also add that, you know, there's always the danger of believing that everything is good because you've been successful and not really checking in and making sure that you, you don't need to tweak anything. And that's kind of what we saw. The most classic example was Blockbuster how they're like, yeah, we got it under control. And then next thing you know, they're overtaken by an, a new industry giant, right? So it's really important not to fall into this self-efficacy trap because you get into this negative spiral where you think that everything is working just because it has been going so well. And back to Kate's point, if you have these top performers who've been performing at a high level and you think we've got this under control, but now things are going to start changing. If you're not asking the right questions and you're not paying attention, you might find out later that you're in a lot of hot water. So I, I suggest that companies do take this seriously and explore, even if you think that things are okay right now. I go ahead. I had a thought about that too. Um, there's a book called Power by Feel, where they actually interviewed people who are who excel in their in their disciplines, whether they were surgeons or artists or athletes or whatever. And one of the things they talked about was this idea that people will do whatever they have to do, regardless of how they feel. They actually called it a syndrome. And that when you notice people just continually doing and doing and doing and not even ever talking about how they feel then we, we know we have a trouble, we're in trouble. It's like, they call it a formula for mediocrity. That literally, if you keep pushing yourself, what happens is everything's drained. There's nothing left to give, but you keep going. And then as Kate mentions, then your body starts to fail, right? Something's gotta give at some point. So this ability, this ability that we can have to sort of check in with people and say, everybody says, I'm, I'm fine, but what does that really mean, fine? How are you feeling? Literally, you might have to take these conversations outside of the office, go to coffee, right? Do something else other than feeling like you have to be at this space, right, to talk to somebody. Let's walk around the corner and get a cup of coffee together. Do something that allows that person to help you feel like this is a place where you don't have to push because you feel that you got to get the work done. So find a way to connect with people that says, I recognize you as a human being who has human needs. And I want you to pay attention to those because I know that that's what really drives what's in you that makes this work go. I love that. One of the biggest things um, with my hundreds of hours of interviews with perfectionists is that they get really good at putting their heads down and working harder. 
when things are not working, they work harder. And it, to your point, it makes it more difficult sometimes to even tell that there's something even wrong at that point because they've been kind of running on the same level over and over and over again. Um, I often am I when I go into companies that I'm doing coaching, I will be talking with people and their perception of their stress is not necessarily accurate to like the reality of what's going on. So having those regular check-ins with your folks and and having a collective support system around people so that they don't feel like they're trying to, right? They're, they're managing everything by themselves. And like Kate said, that is going to blow up. We're talking about allostatic load on the body, right? That is going to build up chronically over time, over time, over time. That's going to raise somebody's baseline. That's physically, mentally, emotionally um, really a problem over time. And that's not something you can rewire in a day right? That's something that's built out. Now we're talking about years. So this is something that's going to take a collective solution. It's not on them to help it. It's on the organization to help create that support and that regular check-in, that relational piece, um, which I think sometimes is often missing from conversation and from the business space is going to be crucial to helping people uh, find a new way and reduce these instances of burnouts. It also looks like we've got a, a question here in the comments how to help manage burnout when you're in a downturn in your organization and facing the prospect of having less people when folks are already suffering from burnout. It's a big question. Actually, I'm wondering if Vanessa, if you have something to say about that since you're often in the, in that space. Well, first I want to answer the first question. Then I'm going to answer this question. So the first question. Uh, so I was one of those top performers at an organization. I'm not there anymore, right? Yay. Uh, and so and I'll say top performer in terms of I increased my salary by 70% in less than three years, gave my one month of notice, and they asked me to stay even longer. So I was a top performer. And the fact is that I would not have shared like how I was feeling, what I was feeling, et cetera. And it was only when I know people are talking about, you know, checking with your leaders, checking with your employees. But sometimes, at least in my case, it was my leader who was the impetus for me not feeling welcomed, heard, or even that I belonged in that organization, right? And so it was only when I was able to speak to other people outside of my team, and I was able to get so that other mentors, you can say, or other advisors and other people, other leaders in the organization, and I had check-ins with them, that I was unable to share. And I was able to then actually speak my truth of what I was feeling and how I was feeling. And they were able to help me navigate you know, what to do and how to do it, et cetera. But I would say that a big warning sign for a top performer is that if you're finding that no one actually knows who they are except for you, that means that they're not talking to people in the company and organization. If not talking to people in the company and organization, that's a problem. Like that means that they, like, they just don't feel like they're like belong there or there's so much inside of them that they just don't feel comfortable sharing it. All that inside will then build up and it will explode in some form or fashion. Okay. And it may not, it may be a bloody form or fashion. I'm being real and honest. Uh, Cause that was where I almost was at. Okay. So the point being that if you, another warning sign is that if you just see that someone is top performer, but they don't, no one knows who they are. That's a problem. That's just that. Yeah. That means they're not talking to anybody, which means that that is a flag send them to executive coach, send them to send them somewhere, but even send them to HR, even if you're afraid to send them to HR, because they might complain about you, but send them anyways, because it's better to, for them to be heard than for them to not be heard. And then you end up in a whole, 
hullabaloo situations. Now, in terms of Casey's question, great question, Casey. I'm going to highlight you right here. Bam. So how to help to manage burnout when you're in a downturn at your organization. So the work I do uh, with a lot of small businesses is they are at a stage where, you know, economic things happen, political things happen. And so they feel the pressure of either, you know, reduced sales or just things just going awry with the organization, their business and their communities as well, too. And so to help them manage burnout, not only for themselves as a business owner, but also for the rest of the team, it's really ensuring that it's that check-in, it's that wellness check that someone had mentioned, one of my team members had mentioned, Kaylee. Yes. Really? <laughs> yes, indeed. Uh, so, so it's that wellness check, right? And it's doing it on a regular basis because at the end of the day, everyone in that sense, when everything's kind of going into a downturn, everyone's on the same boat. Everyone's on, everyone should be on the same page because everyone's on the same boat, right? And so it's just helpful as a leader to be transparent and honest. It's sort of like crisis management. It's being transparent. It's being honest. It's being humble. And it's be having that understanding that Kate was talking about, having the understanding that, Hey, employees and staff member and team leads and VPs and directors, things aren't looking too great. They're just on paper. They're not looking too great. However, I believe that it can change because X, Y, Z, A, B, C, right? And so don't leave people in the dark. Keep them in line with what it is that you think is going to happen. And a lot for a lot of people during the pandemic, they were still able to get their employees back even after they fired them or they put them on hold or furloughed them because there was that level of transparency, that level of understanding, that level of just, okay, here's what's happening. Here's the update every week, right? This is what's going on. This is like, it's sort of over-communicating, but you can't really over-communicate enough because everyone is in a panic. So err on the side of over-communication. Okay, we'll do one more response because we're going over time, but yes, anyone else? <laughs> I'll just add something real quick. Two solutions or ways to address that. One is, Coming back to that nervous system regulation. So there's really no way around it if you're not doing that because <clears throat> no matter what's going on, even when it's not a downturn, if business is going well, sometimes that's different kind of stressful, but still stressful. And it all comes back to how much, no matter what's going on, can we feel grounded, literally turn off fight, flight, freeze mode and tell our bodies that we're safe and have our brains be on the same page? Because without that, doesn't matter how well or not well an organization is doing, um, that's going to lead you to burnout when you're chronically in that state. And that's where a lot of people are. And then the other piece is maybe triaging with your colleagues, since as Vanessa said, you're all on the same page, can we assess what's really necessary and are there tasks, projects, deliverables that can be punted instead of just saying, oh, this is what we've always done. Now we have less people and we need to still do all the same things. Let's get realistic here and say, let's mitigate us all burning out and what are the things we might be able to put a temporary hold on or punt to the next quarter, whatever it might be, so that we can conserve our resources, but still get the things that are most impactful and that drive the bottom line uh, forward done. So those are a couple tips to think about. All right. Am I wrapping us up? I think yeah. so. We could go on about this forever, but you know, we do have lives outside of this outside of this little box that I live in on a screen I actually live um, which is amazing 
If you need to be in touch with us, you have more questions, you can throw them down in the comments below. We will do our best to answer them even after this is finished. You watch this on a replay, but you want some input, please write it down there. If you need to hire us to facilitate a day of increasing your productivity, team management best practices, we can do facilitating days. We can also do speaker series. We have a full set of programming that lasts an entire year that we can go through step-by-step step within your companies. You can fill out the form. There's a Google form linked in the comments below. We would love to hear from you. We would love to hear what your challenges are, and we would love to let you know if we can help address them. Thank you so much for being with the Burnout Panel. We adore you, and we adore getting rid of burnout. Until next time. 